Christ. We're going to address Paul's mind-blowing prayer in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And as we heard it read in the English Standard Version this morning, this, the version I'm going to use in our PowerPoint slides is from the New International Version. I found it was a little bit easier to digest and understand. What you're going to see in Paul's mind-blowing prayer is that the God of the universe wants to be at home in your heart. And he wants you to totally grasp his unconditional love for you. And once you have that, he wants you to take that love and to share it with people. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for an opportunity to open your word and pray, Spirit, that you'd give us understanding and insight as we look at Paul's prayer. We thank you for the love you've poured out in Christ's perfect life and atoning death. And Lord, we pray that we can take that love and share it with people as we continue to be rooted in Christ, reaching out with his love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you take a look at the first part of Paul's prayer, Paul prays this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What you're going to see in the prayer is three times Paul says, I pray that you'd have power. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us to faith. And he's the one who enlightens us, illuminates us, so we can understand these spiritual truths. So his first prayer, the first part of the prayer, is that we'd have the power of the Holy Spirit so we could have Christ indwelling in us, being at home in us. The Greek word dwell means just this, to reside permanently, to be at home, not just a, a visitor. On the screen is a painting of Luke 10, 38 to 42. You might recall this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha. And they're preparing dinner for Jesus. Martha's very busy. And in the background of the painting, she's continuing to do the food preparation. While Mary is listening to Jesus as he's talking and, and, and sharing the, the truths that he wants to convey. In the Luke 10 text, Martha says to Jesus, Jesus, would you tell Mary to help me with the dinner preparation? And Jesus' reply is, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things, but there's only one thing that's truly necessary. What Mary's chosen is the better choice. And this is a great image of Christ being at home with people. They're preparing a meal, and Jesus is talking about things that he wants them to know, and it's just in, a, in an everyday moment of life. You're, you're getting your meal prepared. God lives in you because the Holy Spirit's created faith in you, and now God wants to be totally at home in you. In John 14, Jesus said it like this, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Think about this for a minute. This is mind-blowing. The God of the universe, the God who's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, he wants to dwell, be totally at home in your heart. Now, I've gone over to people's houses at times, and as a visitor, I'm not at home in their residence. I'll visit, and I'll be in the living room or maybe in the kitchen. But my dear friends, the Colberts, before Kelly and I were married, I'd go over to their house all the time. And after a while, I was totally at home in their house. Even so much so as I'd go in the refrigerator 
help myself, and I'd notice their ice tray was empty, and I'd fill up their ice tray. And I'd have to scold them about their empty ice tray. So that level of intimacy and being at home with someone, you'll have that with friends. And here's the God of the universe who says, I want to enter into every aspect of your life, and I don't want to talk about an empty ice tray. I want to talk about some other things going on in your mind, your will, your emotions. If you take a look on the screen, here's a little boy, and he's praying. And he's an image of what you and I are. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul talked about that at the end of Ephesians 2. He says that in 1 Corinthians 3. So here's another way to think about this. What's God's house? It's not this building. It's you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, the choir director at Milwaukee Lutheran High School was Gary Lohmeyer. And he had a Christian minstrels praise band that would play for chapel. And they'd play at Lutheran churches around the area. And one Sunday, they were setting up their musical instruments, and they were setting up their microphones, and Gary had his his young child there, his little boy, three, four years old, and the little boy was running around the sanctuary before the service as the Christian minstrels were setting up their instruments. And the pastor kept looking at the little boy running around, so Gary addressed his little son and said, Son, remember this is God's house. Please don't run around in here. And the boy stopped and said to Gary, But you said... God's in my heart. And it was this great illustration of the boy understanding a mind-blowing truth. The God of the universe is not in a house. He's in you. And he wants to be totally at home there. Paul says it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to be totally at home in you and sanctify you through and through, make you holy, set apart, different in body, soul, and spirit. Because that's what comprises you as a Christian. There's three parts that make you you. On the right side, the image of the target, the body or soma is the vessel that you and I see as we come to church, as we walk down the street. But you're more than just this physical vessel. You have a soul, suke in Greek. It's your mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, the things that you know. Your will, what you want, your desires. Your emotions, how you feel about things. And then, because you're a Christian, you have a spirit. Now, notice the target on the left side. There's no spirit there. That's what we were before God brought us to faith. In Ephesians 2, you saw this last week, God said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And I made you alive in Christ. I did spiritual CPR on you and brought you back. And now you've got a spirit, the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And God says, I want to be at home in your inner being, in your mind, will, and emotions. And I want to address the things in your life that are out of place, much more important than an empty ice tray. Are your thoughts, are your goals... Are your feelings in line with me? I want you to be more Christ-like because the world desperately needs to see faith alive in you. I'm so glad we have an opportunity to study Ephesians in depth in this sermon series and to have a weekly reading schedule to help us in that. So if you'd like to spend more time with Jesus like Mary and Martha did, there are different ways that you can approach this. 
besides reading maybe a book every month, maybe you want to read the whole Bible through in a year. It's about four chapters a day. But maybe you want to take a, a different approach. Maybe you, you, you love to praise the Lord for all he's done for you, so Psalms is where you want to spend time. If you'd read five Psalms a day, you'd cover that book in a month. Or how about learning to make better decisions and reading a chapter of Proverbs every day? You'll finish that book in a month as well. But the best advice I've ever received about spending time with Jesus and letting him be totally at home in me was to read for my need. What do I need to know? If I'm struggling with worry, if I'm struggling with fear, what I'll do is I'll find scriptures that address that. And with a concordance, you can do that. And if you don't have a concordance in your Bible, these websites, BibleHub.com, BibleGateway.com, are very easy to use. You can just type in worry, for example, and then they'll bring up a bunch of verses that talk about that. And then you can spend time meditating on that so Christ can fill you, body, soul, and spirit. In the next part of the prayer, Paul says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. We have the love of God poured out in Christ. We're rooted in it. And now in the Greek he says, I want you to totally understand this. I want you to grasp it. And I want you to experience it as well. That image of being rooted... You have this firm foundation in the love of God. It's not by works. We saw that last week. It's by grace through faith we're saved. And now he says, do you totally understand that? By the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, I pray that you do, that you would grasp this unconditional love and that you'd experience it. One way to illustrate it is this way. If you take a look on the screen, this is what we'll have a chance to do in these warmer months now as summer finally is going to be coming to Milwaukee. We can sit out at night and watch the stars. If you've ever done this, maybe you've had this experience like I've had. You feel small. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that when you've looked up at the stars. Yes. You, you look up at the stars and you know we're on planet Earth and it's in space. But now you're sitting there and you're seeing this and it's taking it to a different level. And you realize the vastness of the cosmos. And you feel small and insignificant. And you're experiencing the idea of that I'm on planet Earth, I'm in space, in a different way. That's the idea behind Paul's prayer. He says, I want your mind blown because you know God loves you. But I want you to understand God loves you. And I want you to experience that in a powerful way. In Psalm 103, it says it like this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So as you spend time in God's word, for example, if you'd read Psalms or any part, Old or New Testament, you'll see the love of God described. And as you spend time with Jesus in the word, the Holy Spirit will show you these things so you can grasp this on a different level. I experienced the love of God poured out in a powerful way, in an experiential way, my junior year in college. My girlfriend of three years had broken up with me, and I was heartbroken. I spent a sleepless night, and I woke up, or I didn't wake up, I got out of bed, and I called my folks back in Milwaukee. 
I was in Seward, Nebraska, and I called my folks, and I just cried on the phone and poured out my broken heart. My mom and dad said, Brad, we're going to come out to be with you this weekend. They drove 11 hours, 600 miles, to be with me Friday evening and into Saturday, and they left Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, I went to the library at Concordia University in Nebraska. I was working on homework, and what they had just done, showing me unconditional love, blew me away. And it brought me to tears. I went into the bathroom in the library, and I just wept. I knew that they loved me, but now I had experienced it in a totally different way. And that's Paul's prayer for us. He says, I pray that you're rooted in the love of God and that you grasp it and that you could experience that because that's what the world needs to see from you. If you really love the Lord because he loves you, has this made a difference in your life? Take a look at this image on the screen. Turn to someone in the pews and share, what do you focus on when you see that image? What jumps out at you? Take a moment and share with someone in the pews. As you spend time in God's word, you'll see Old and New Testament, the love of God that he has for us, sinful people who have violated his will. This is from the Bethel Bible series. That Bible study series would have an image and then a lesson uh, that explained all the different aspects in that painting. And I love this one because it shows God came from heaven to earth, taking the form of a servant willing to sacrifice himself for us. And Jesus has exchanged that crown of thorns and humiliation for a crown of glory and exaltation. Here's another way to think about, do you truly understand the love of God? Have you experienced that? Paul said it like this in Ephesians 1, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. These are mind-blowing concepts. In the end of the prayer, he says, this is my goal, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, that you'd be filled up. That God, the Holy Spirit, is moving in you to show new revelations of God in your body, soul, spirit, and that you grasp the love of God. And now that you're filled, that this just pours out and runs over like the cup on the screen. As you take that love that's pouring out, you can share it with people, which is what God wants us to do. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I can take what God has given me now because he's filled me up and now I can share it with people. And the world desperately needs that. The end of Paul's prayer is, is technically a praise, a doxology. And he ends like this. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. 
Amen. That praise, that doxology is to the God who, again, empowering us, can do more in us and through us than we dream. Instead of putting God in a box to help us understand that he can fill us to overflowing and then you can reach out. And you can make an impact on the world that needs to hear this. That's what Paul did. In your quiet time, in your devotional time, in your time with the Lord, go back and read Acts 19, 9-12. Paul's in Ephesus, and it says that for two years, he daily lectured in a hall, and the disciples grew in their faith. It's a great illustration of spending time with the Lord so they get to know him better and better and to be filled, body, soul, and spirit. And then that section in Acts says, Paul would also take handkerchiefs and pieces of cloth, touch them, and then they'd be given to people who were sick, and they'd be healed. That's mind-blowing. God can do more than we ask or imagine. And so as there's a world that we live in that needs to hear this, God is using us. This prayer transitions the end of the first three chapters, which are doctrinal in Ephesians. They talk about our identity in Christ, that we're rooted in Christ, and moves into the last half of the book, which is practical, which shows our purpose in Christ, that we can now reach out with the love of God. And you'll see these in the chapters 4, 5, and 6, that we can reach out in our church, in our family, and at work. And as you do this, you can understand this mind-blowing prayer. The God of the universe wants to be at home in you, wants to fill you, so you totally understand that love, and give it to other people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this love you've poured out in Christ. Lord, we pray that we grasp that by the power of the Spirit and continue to make an impact as you give us time here on earth. Lord, you deserve all the praise and glory, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sanctifier. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.